You are listening to episode 195 of Game Flayers Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and this week, Game On Expo 2022, Electric Boogaloo, the Game Deflators Strike Back! So, Ryan, you've officially set us up for Return of the Game Deflators in 2023. Episode 6. It's going to be good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Game on Expo uh, here in a bit. Uh, but as always, I like to call out our social media platforms. So you can find us on Instagram at The Game Deflators, Facebook at The Game Deflators, Twitter at Game Deflators. You can also find us on our out-of-date website, hopefully updated at some point in the near future, thegameofflators.com. And, of course, all those podcast apps that you're listening to us listening to us on right now, uh, go check us out there. Also, leave five-star reviews. reviews. Lots of reviews. But I do have to call out, Ryan. I mistakenly took a picture of ourselves coming back from the future to check out Game on Expo. Uh, so if you look at if you look at our Instagram, and it's the second to last photo that we took for Game on Expo, there's the creepiest situation where I guess I can at least, you know, took a photo and there's a guy that looks just like me and a guy wearing a hat that's flat, just like Ryan. And it is it's very odd, Ryan. I'm we I'm pretty sure. Take. Yeah, I had to as I'm going through, I'm like, who the hell took that picture? Like Ryan certainly didn't take a picture of both of us and I didn't do it. So how did I get my hands on this like photo of the two of us? And uh, yeah, it's just proof that time machines exist. I'm notoriously bad at taking pictures. So, <laughs> yeah, I took I took some good ones yesterday, I think. Yeah. So yeah. this month we're going to be in honor of returning to Game on Expo. We're going to be doing some sequels. So uh, we're not sure exactly what we'll be playing inflation, deflation wise the rest of the month, but stay tuned for those. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm pretty excited about that. You know, whether it's kind of looking back at games that we played before and doing a a revisit or if it's just sequels in general um, of titles, it should be pretty fun. So I'm stoked. uh, So jumping into pickups, John, what'd you pick up this week? You didn't get anything Uh, really at the game on Expo, did you? Uh, no, I did. I got um, Phenotopia, which is, or Phenotopia, however you want to say it. Which oh, well, is I mean, our... like, used game-wise. Oh, used game, no, dude. Out. Yeah, no, a lot of it was just too expensive. Like, I was, for example, I looked at a copy of, like, Persona 2, I think it was, on the PS1. And there were people that had that thing priced, like, 600 to $800 for a complete in-box copy. I'm like, that's... At most right now, I think $500 in the near mint complete box copy. So, yeah, it seemed a little high for me on a lot of those titles. Uh, there were games that like Sparkster is one, for example. Like, you just got that. I just got it, but I looked at it and like, yeah, mine has like its own printed out cover because I, I did that. And the game, I think, loose is like 120, but I saw like a copy for like 300, which I felt was kind of weird. Like, I don't think it's that high. Maybe it is now. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like some things were a bit overpriced uh, for me um, in what I was willing to spend. Now, I was kind of on the lookout for like clamshell cases for Sega, hoping that maybe somebody had a bin of just like trashed up cases with like really bad 380 games. complete is what it says on price charting for Sparkster. OK, yeah. well, maybe that was a good price. OK, uh, look at Persona 2. Though. I'm curious on that one because that one I saw quite a few times and it was pretty high up there. Um you know, and, and sometimes you get good deals at these events and other times people are just because there's cost- like there's two. OK, Persona 2 Innocent Sin or Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. 
Uh, I think it's. Oh, I uh, guess the others were on J- Japan, so it would be Persona Two Eternal Punishment three eighty three mid range. Uh huh. Yeah. So I mean, there you go. Nine low. Mm-hmm. Oh, 189 so, is loose. 383 yeah, is yeah. complete. Yeah. But I mean, my point being is like seeing as price as high as it was <clears throat> was uh, a little off-putting for me uh, for some of those vendors. But there was a lot of good deals to be had. I mean, overall, like the Sparkster one, I guess, you know, calling that out um, being 200 bucks versus or 300 bucks, whatever it came out to versus 380. So um, there's still deals out there. Yeah, there's still if you're willing to kind of shell out some funds. I mean, I saw... One one vendor, which was interesting, is we were sitting there getting your PlayStation 2 controller, which I thought was an okay price, you know, for a blue controller at 20 bucks. But like he was nickel and diming this guy off of a, a complete inbox copy of like Donkey Kong on the ColecoVision, I think. And the guy was like, hey, do you mind working with me? Like the condition of this box is not priced to where it should be. And like he showed him the price chart. The guy's like, oh, I'll take a couple bucks off. And he's like, well, does it even have the manual? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Let me check. It's like why are you pricing things at a certain price point and not checking if it has a manual or not? He's like, if it doesn't have a manual, then yeah, I'll knock off like $5. Like you've probably should have considered that beforehand. Um, and it's not the rag on, on the expo. It's just, that's just my experience in with the vendors this year. And we saw and a lot of stuff that wasn't priced in box too, which is frustrating. Like as you're looking yeah. through stuff, like either have like a tag on the front of the bin that says how much everything in that bin is, or have everything individually labeled. Like, Nobody wants to be like, hey, how much are all of these things? And you've got to watch them make up a number. Yeah. And that's like, I'm used to that at pawn shops. I'm not like pawn shops, swap uh, meets. Yeah. Like that type of deal where it's like, there's no prices. You got to pull it out. But yeah, there was like legit one guy that had like this massive, like disorganized mess of games and totes. And it's like, there was no thought process on like, how do I put these up for sale? Like most vendors that, like when I used to run a con, you know, when I talked to my vendors, I would ask like their setup pictures of their setup during the application process to get an idea of how it was going to look because aesthetically it had to be pleasing as well for people walking in and out and easy for them to shop. This guy had like 15 gallon containers that were just piled with games and no prices. Some of them had prices. Some of them did. There was like a whole bunch of Sega Genesis games that were just chilling there with like no prices whatsoever. And it's like, I, that's just frustrating me. Like, and again, it's not on the expo. It's the vendor itself. Like, why wouldn't you price your stuff? Like, don't you want people to be aware of what's available, you know, and, and what the price point is so they don't have to sit there and ask you? And it scares consumers away. Like, why do I want to sit there and and ask what a copy of Sunset Riders is complete in box? Like, I probably know what the price point is, but then why do I have to sit there and like ask you as a vendor, you know? Hey, how much are you charging for this game? Because we know it's not going to be like at eBay prices. It's either going to be below or it's going to be higher. And um, yeah, it's just frustrating. So, but you know, a lot of good vendors. Artist Alley was pretty sick, and we'll go into deeper detail um, later. But yeah. the Artist Alley was nice, and we'll talk more. Uh, on the there was quite a there was quite a lot of vendors there, so that was good stuff. Uh, but I did pick up Phenotopia from our friends at uh, Premium Edition Games. They happen to be there. We met Scott, uh, who works with the team there. He actually is local, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Barry, unfortunately, was not there. Otherwise, we would have ragged on Barry and bugged him the whole time. That would have been fun. Uh, in addition to all of that, during the week before Game on Expo, I picked up a 250 gigabyte Xbox 360 Slim. Uh, I got Kingdom Under Fire. I think it's the name of the game on the Xbox as well. I picked up a bunch of Mario Lego sets. I still have some coming in the mail, actually. 
uh, got a Conker's statue. So there's like a. Where'd you get one of those Mario Lego sets, John? Oh, I, I got one from Ryan, actually. <laughs> so I, got, I forgot that I forgot who got me Lego sets. I just like my mom, my wife, you. Man, Legos myself. are like the best gift. Those Legos are my favorite gift to receive. And they're one of my favorite gifts to give because I know that if you're into it, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got those Lego sets and I bought some more on my own afterwards because, you know, I'm going to have a kid in a number of years that wants to play with Lego. So or will wants to play with Lego. He's not going to have much of a choice. And uh, yeah, they get out of that choking hazard stage. Yeah, once it once it gets to that five plus stage, so I've got boxes of Lego that are probably going to sit there for five years, and not oh, get man, opened. John, you're going to be able to like f- either open them and play with your kid, or fund his college with those. Yeah, given that they're Mario Lego sets, it would not like dude, if you had a full set of unopened Mario Lego sets to sell us a lot, you could probably charge a decent price. I probably could, to be honest. Like some of them is skyrocketing value already. Like there's like some of the little power ups which are selling for ten dollars are now selling for twenty five. I'm like, good god. Um, so I looked at there was actually a website that had retired Lego sets and uh, or what's retiring. And because the number of those Mario sets came out, I think it was twenty twenty that came out. Um, a lot of them started getting retired in twenty twenty one, and I didn't know that. I wish I would have picked them up beforehand. Luckily, I kind of had the the thought in the back of my head, like I should pick up some of the bigger sets. So, like I got the Bowser attack castle level. I got booze level um, and a couple other pieces a while back. And those sets are like stupid prices now compared to what I bought them at. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited. I got those, but there was a few retired sets that I hadn't picked up. So I started grabbing those every now and then. So my goal is to put, you know, together some funds every now and then uh, to buy some of those retired sets and just kind of keep up with it as they come out. So, that way down the road, I don't have to worry about, you know, missing out. It's, you know, if you can consider like the Harry Potter sets that have been out, because my wife loves the Harry Potter sets. Those have been out for a number of years. And some of those older sets are just not only are they hard to come by, but they're super expensive when you try to find them complete with all the pieces. So I want to avoid that. And I have an opportunity here to pick up a specific, you know, franchise in Lego from the very beginning and kind of continue on with it. Yeah, I'm going to try and do that. Um, you know, however long it goes. I mean, it got to probably be 15, 20 years of Lego for all I know at this point, given how Harry Potter is. But yeah, I mean, I, I think collecting these will be pretty cool in general. It'll be fun to play with, um, you know, when he's older and, and just kind of go from there. But the other thing I got was a Sonic Lego set that my wife bought me, the, the Sonic yeah, specific one. So I'm I almost build- got that one for you. I'm going to crack that. Really? That was like 70 bucks. <laughs> I'm going to crack that open. Um and go from there and, and see how that is. And then what else did I get? So the Conquer statue, which is a vinyl statue. I don't think you've seen that yet because I got it on my birthday mm-hmm. and you weren't here. Um, I got a PS3 controller as well. So my wife has been nagging me about getting a PlayStation 3 controller because all of mine have did, bad joysticks. Did and you I have, lend me one? Because I was just organizing my controllers this morning and I have three PS2 controllers. I have colors? two black ones and a red one. And I think I had to borrow one when I was trying to beat zone of the enders because mine was all messed up uh i know i had a red one i don't know i had I... A, I had a red and a black one i think i borrowed another black one from you i don't know if the joystick is not screwed up it might be mine i don't know uh it's i have so many controls at this point like some that i can't even like i don't even know where they are i'm still yeah. looking my red and black one were bad that's why i needed one 
Yeah, I think I have I tried a red to one open too. that red one and fix it like three times. Yeah, I got to do that for mine with the the joysticks themselves. Um, I haven't messed with that because they they all have that drift situation going on, which blows. Dude, yeah. that's from first person shooters. All of that's first person shooters, which really blows. So, uh, but that's what I got. And then as far as currently playing, uh, I am still playing Elden Ring. Uh, uh, right now, like I could probably beat the game. Like I just beat Malekith of the Black Blade, I think is his name. I forgot, but he's yeah. Yeah, he's pretty nasty boss. Um, so I beat him with a couple people that I summoned in. That was a lot of fun. Dude, I'm loving the multiplayer. Like, even though it's not as challenging to jump into boss battles as when you do it on your own. And I have. Like, I've kind of done the summons and brought in a summon as well as myself uh, to beat certain bosses when I've had to. Because there's literally been enemies where if I have other people coming in with me, we're not able to defeat the boss. And then yet there's somewhere it's just if it's just me, it makes sense to just play it on my own. And I've been able to, to tackle them. So it's been good. But I'm trying to do a specific build around blood loss. So there's a build where you like get a certain number of like um, talismans attached to you and a couple different weapons that increases blood loss. And it can deal like up to 10,000 damage apparently after like the three hits. So mm-hmm. I want to do that so I can start invading people and start using that against people that I invade uh, and just kind of go from there with it. Nice. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much it says like I'm 83 percent done with the game, but there's so much to explore still. So that's kind of the phase I've been in is like, let me kind of tie in some of these or not tie in, but, you know, tie off some of these quest lines that I haven't finished yet. Like I just did Alexander the Jars quest, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but it's got a very interesting ending to his quest line. Uh, I'm trying to defeat the dragons and like <clears throat> the uh, crumbling. I think it's. Farum or Azul, I forget the name of it. Dude, I, that's the thing. I don't remember names half the time on this crap. But I'm just trying to do everything that I can uh, right now. Get my get my fill of a game and then beat the game and kind of go from there with uh, potentially Zelda, Majora's Mask, or maybe even Phenotopia. I gotta I gotta see what I want to play next. Get that um, uh, patch. Yeah, I do have to get the patch for Phenotopia. So uh, if you open up. Or if you do an unboxing, record it and tag limited or not limited run. If you tag premium edition games, Barry's going to kill me for that mix up. Uh, if you Edit uh, that one, John, <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it and <laughs> see if he listens. Um, he'll he'll tag me if anything. But yeah, if you open it up for premium edition games, they actually have some pretty cool badges that they include. And by the way, the quality of box like I know Barry talked to us about this, like this so how they were nice. switching. Oh, man, dude, the price increase is totally worth it. So if you were like, oh, I don't want to buy any more premium edition because they increased the price by like five, ten dollars, whatever it was. It is totally worth it. That exterior box alone is great, like super sturdy. Um, like I pulled obviously the Phenotopia that was opened up and it's nice. You still have like that NES style slipcover on the inside that holds your game and it slides into this nice uh, like thicker cardboard type of exterior box. Like what you would normally see with a special edition game they have custom with their games, which is pretty badass. So their uh, retro definitely. editions looked oh, really yeah. nice too. The Ret- new boxes on those. Yep. They're absolutely beautiful uh, games. So definitely check that out. Um, if you haven't bought anything from premium edition, they're totally worth checking out. Um, and if you see them at a con, <clears throat> uh, they had a con specific variant for demons tier for game on expo so probably if you go see them at another con you can get like an exclusive edition of a game there as well i would assume yeah yeah and that's that's a pretty cool piece to have in general just because it's 
VAT events only and, and that's it, right? I kind of wish they would have done a special edition for uh, which one? Um, God, it's the Metroidvania style one. I don't know why I'm just blanking on it right now. It's the one that I was going to decide between that or Phenotopia or Phenotopia. Cathedral? Ca- cathedral, yeah. So Cathedral is one. If that would have had a special edition, I would have gone with Cathedral for sure. Like absolutely gone with Cathedral. They also have another game coming out. Um, was it Rack and Ruin? I think is what it's called. Yeah, that just got announced. Uh, they did their like trailer video this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that looks pretty cool. And the artwork, uh, Paul Niemeyer, who we've had on the podcast and does artwork for them, showed us what the back cover is supposed to look like. He had some art for sale. And dude, it just looks sick. Like that's one that's on my list for sure. So when that pre-order is open for that, I'll definitely be checking it out. Um, okay. And then the last thing I did uh, gaming wise is I started playing uh, Demon Throttle. And that game's hard, dude. Like, is it? Oh, yeah. That, that game is difficult. Like I thought that I like you with one player, you start out with like two different players, essentially. Um, and you can switch between them. And then the one that you're actively using takes damage. I, I got to like just practice. You know what it is? I think it's because I was playing it in handheld mode on my switch and I usually play docked. So I'm not really used to the feel of like in handheld mode because that was pretty hard. I think if I had like my hands on a controller and I was playing, that would have been much better. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's it's pretty difficult. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a, a top down shooter and you're just kind of running through these levels uh, with uh, one guy has a, a gun and one guy or one person has a crossbow and you just kind of collect various power-ups like speed and uh, stamina, I think was one of them. And there's like shields and uh, dynamite packages and other things that you could pick up throughout and uh, use those against certain enemies. But like I was having a difficult time, like trying to just really have handheld mode. So once I got to like the final boss and like, in the first stage, there's only four stages, by the way, in this game. Uh, and there's various mini bosses throughout. But I got to like the first stage boss and I was able to take him into like his third form. But by that point, one of my characters already knocked out. I was having difficulty timing the jumps plus trying to shoot at the same time. Uh, so that kind of sucked. But I think a little more practice, I'll get it down pretty quick. I might honestly have a beat by the next episode. Nice. You know, if, yeah. So we'll see. It just depends on how much time I commit to it. Yeah, I um, just... Uh open mine up flipped around on all my switch games like i know they have that like inside panel so you can like see the art on the inside when you open it i always flip that to the outside just so that anybody that likes collecting games who looks at my shelf will be like what have you done (laughs) but i like uh this one it actually has the uh information on the spine still so it's like meant to be reversible which i always dig yeah, there's certain games that don't have that, which kind of sucks, like the name on the inside. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's always cool to be able to kind of showcase that outer or that inner cover, right? The reversible one. So what did you pick up? So I got all kinds of awesome stuff uh, at Game on Expo this week and nowhere else. <laughs> so I did get a PS2 controller with John's help and God help me. Thank you. I didn't run into one on Friday because I would not have looked at the pins and I probably would have been pissed and ripped off and had no, you know, no way to get anything done about it. Um, So then uh, I will talk about this a little bit more when we talk about Game On Expo, but I got to meet Gerard, the completionist. He was there. It was awesome. And I bought a frog in a car from him. 
and I have it on my shelf back here now. You can barely see it, but uh, it's it's awesome. It's a little plush car with a frog on it. The frog removes from the car. It is from Mother 3. It's adorable. Um, I also love Gachapon machines. So they had a bunch of Gachapon machines there, and they had a Gachapon machine that had little miniature Gachapon machines inside of it. So I went on Friday to Game on Expo myself just to kind of walk around and see it. And then uh, we went back the next day. So I bought one on Friday and then I bought four more yesterday. So those are adorable and I love them. And they have like they come with like enough stickers to like fully sticker out two whole ones like per and like even more like options like there's like a ton of different options for the pricing that you can put on it. It's a very elaborate little toy. So I dig those. Um, and then, you know, really the best thing that I think we've picked up was a whole bunch of awesome new friends for the podcast. We were dropping off, uh, you know, business cards and talking to people. So we'll get more into that, I guess later. That's not really a super pickup. Uh, so playing this week, playing this week, we have play date, Season one, week two update. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I think the first week was a little bit stronger. I haven't really played too much more of Casual Birder, but this week's releases were um, Crankin' Presents Time Travel Adventures, which is actually fantastic. It's by the people that did, uh, or the guy that did Katamari Damacy. And it is all in the crank game. So you're this little robot and every day you've got a date with your girlfriend. She sends you a letter to meet her at three. As soon as three o'clock ro rolls around, you wake up and you crank to move forward through time. And your little guy has his walk cycle. He walks across the screen and the time passes as you go. And once you get to your girlfriend, she's super pissed that you're late, but she still invites you on a date the next day. And the next day on your way to the date, there's a little flower. So you stop, bend over, and smell the flower as you crank. And then you keep cranking to keep walking to your date. Now, once the obstacles get introduced, like a butterfly floating across the screen, don't let that butterfly touch you or it'll kill you. But if you bend over to smell that flower at the right time, it'll fly right past you. Because all those things move even if you're not cranking time forward. So... The game becomes like having to cycle the character through all his different animations to avoid obstacles. Like you'll sit down at a table and have a sip of tea so that a bird can fly over your head. And then you vault over the table so that you jump over a pig running on the ground at you. And uh, it's just all these obstacles. The last one that I've been stuck on is these crazy staircases with pigs that fly. And you just like, go up the staircase and as soon as you hit like an end you turn around and you go up the other way and then down and it's just this maze of stairs and all these flying pigs and it's chaos it's um it's a pretty good one i blasted through like the first 16 levels in like one sitting and then got kind of stuck uh it's fun to watch a friend play like all these games are fun to watch people play once you understand the game uh have you have you ahead. finished a joke that's worth 99 cents or whatever no i i haven't i haven't gone back to that one yet okay. i need to my my friend he thinks that he saw the punchline but he, the thing is if you don't do it like slowly and like kind of 
you know, juggle the guy a little bit. You can't listen to the whole line play out. Like it's very easy to frantically kind of, or it's easier to frantically hit him back and forth and just hit the stars really quickly and get them. But -hmm. then you blast through the joke before the voice lines can read out. Yeah. Um, And then the other release this week was Boogie Loops. And Boogie Loops is there's like all these little mascot characters up at the top of the screen. And then there's like a bar of music and you can see when you hit play, like how it runs through the lines and you can probably adjust the notes and do different things. I'm just not super musically inclined, so I don't really get it. I'm going to take it to our friend Ben and let him mess with it. I'm sure he can figure it out. Uh, but like most of the time, these don't really have explanations of what's going on. You just kind of figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll mess with it and, and see what I can do there. Um, and looking forward to tomorrow for two more games. That should be good. I'm excited then, to see what, what comes out. Yeah. This week, I've also been watching the Dota 2 Arlington Major, bringing it back to the U.S. I haven't been watching Dota for, like, basically all of Pandemic. Like, I was, I think it was pretty fair to say I was getting pretty into it before Pandemic happened. Like, I was on my phone a lot, like, tracking and, uh, you know, not betting, but there's an app, Strafe, that I use where you can, like, pick which teams are going to win and you get points and there's like a league thing sort of. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Although things have changed a ton, like two years in Dota time is like most of the people that I watched have retired now. That's so, pretty crazy to think that they've retired. Well, I mean like once you're, once you're like 30, you're old man in esports. you just don't have the reaction time. And you don't have like, you know, it's probably gets harder to be able to have team cohesion if you're like, you know, eight years older. Like, I imagine maybe you relate less, like not that you can't be good teammates, but, you know, it's probably not the same feeling as if you're all on a team of your peers that all came up at the same time, as opposed to you're the old guard and you're surrounded by all this new talent. So it's a whole different, um, it's a whole different thing right now. Right now they're still going through groups. So the real turning will begin this week. I'll talk more about how that goes next week. I usually ends on a Sunday, so I'll probably know everything up to like the semis by the time that we record again. Okay. That should be cool. Definitely excited to hear more about that. See how it all goes. Um, it seems like the next piece secret game here, secret game challenge. Um, all right. I've been trying to think about what I want to ask you here. Do you so need to go I asked, over last week's question again. It's on Nintendo Switch. I know that. I actually looked at that while you were talking. So um game question number three, because I know I get a guess and then I get to also uh figure out a general question. So my question for you is why don't you why don't you mix it up? Why don't you guess first this time? <laughs> is it Breath of the Wild? No. Okay. That was um, foolish, John. You shouldn't have listened to me. Well now your question is useless. No, it isn't, because I'm gonna ask you, has the game been released in 2022? No. Okay. Now I'm just gonna start every week, 2021, 2020, and so on until we get there. 
I've I've got what five years to guess in this. So, yeah. Well, I mean, all I have to do is beat the secret game before you can guess what it is, and then I'll Ryan, just we tell know, everybody. We know you don't beat games. Come on, <laughs> we've got that's true. Gotta, that's true. There's there's a good chance because I haven't played it at all this week. Yeah, we're we're like 195 episodes in on this podcast. We all know your your thing. You don't. Hey, beat I've games. been in several games already this year. I'll have you know. You probably have beat more than me, actually. Although I finished my games this year, so I haven't stopped them. Uh, all right. Well, looking at what we're going to talk about this week, uh, we are going to talk the best thing shown in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's August Pokemon Direct. Uh, Nintendo disagrees with Sony about the game industry slump, and then Xbox quietly deleted the terrible God of War ripoff game. And then we'll cap off the episode. We're going to talk about the top five things that we liked about Game on Expo. So I think that sounds pretty fair uh going into the first piece here though uh the best thing shown for pokemon scarlet uh and violet uh so this is GameSpot, and it is jessica howard uh that wrote this up uh ryan if you want to kick this one off because you seem to be a lot more excited about pokemon this go around than i am so i have <laughs> notoriously been not super into pokemon lately i used to be really into pokemon and everybody kind of had this moment with sword and shield that I just wasn't even remotely there for, you know, a lot of people had this moment with Arceus that I just didn't really believe in, but there's something about this one in this new trailer that really kind of sparked my interest a little bit more. And I, I think that it might just have to do with the idea that seeing how they're playing multiplayer together I really believe that if that can work well, that could be enough for me to change things because I do have a group of people that I would definitely love to like run around and play Pokemon with and we could all have a, a real good time and being able to do that easily would be good. But that assumes that Nintendo doesn't Nintendo it up in some way to make it like I heard people talking about pokemon sword and shield like connecting with people was hard well i mean that's nintendo for you they are notorious for making multiplayer extremely difficult like mm -hmm. we got that with you know the the friend codes and everything which are completely unnecessary like i get why they have them but at the same time it's kind of dumb um but yeah so this particular game because i was looking at it as well you know i think it's kind of cool that they're like every Pokemon game has had something new. So in this in this game in particular, they have the um, terror types. Yeah, the terror types, whatever. So basically allowing or really showing you to crystallization of Pokemon, which is pretty cool. Um, I do kind of like the school setting element of it because it gets away from, you know, the whole, oh, I'm a kid. I'm sitting in my little town and I'm going to go become a Pokemon master like this is straight up. You know, these are kids going to school specifically for you know, things involving Pokemon and they have to go out and as a lesson, apparently go catch Pokemon, which I think is kind of cool. It's a little different. So um, I don't know, man, like I have a feeling they're just putting the school thing in there because people like Persona and they were able to get away with it pretty well with um, Fire Emblem. The three houses pulled off like the school setting. I just think that if Pokemon does the school setting, it's just going to be like pretty dry. 
Like I, I can't imagine they're going to put enough depth into there to where it matters. Cause like in a Pokemon game, like I want to be going around the world. I don't necessarily want to have to like keep going back and getting like, you know, fetch quests to keep jumping back and forth out of one place in the world, especially if it's going to be a bigger world where it's like, am I just going to like fly back and forth a hundred times? You didn't play Arceus, right? No. Okay, so it's going to be just like Arceus. Like, that's how I well, envisioned Arceus this. Arceus had, like, different zones you would go to. This is going to yeah. be just, like, a big open world. This would be, yeah. like... Which is which is fine. And the Arceus open world was good as well. It was zones specific to those areas, and it had an open world feel. Like, if, with this being more of just straight open world, it's great. But I'm kind of talking about, like, the fetch quest aspect. Like, in Arceus, you would do certain quests in certain zones and come back to, you know, the base essentially or the, the main town. And you would kind of get your missions from various people and complete quests and do all of that. Right. Like that's how it all worked out in that game. I can see that being a very similar situation here where it's like, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, whatever kid. And I want you to go catch me a butterfree. Like, can you go catch me, you know, that and then bring it back. So like, I, I think that's what you're going to end up having is things like that, like throughout and having to continually go back to like teachers and other students. And it's going to be super cut and dry as far as dialogue is concerned. Cause it's going to be fully focused on these fetch quests. Like that's one thing that drives me nuts about Pokemon games and why I've kind of stopped them over the years is there's too much fetch quests going on. Like there's not enough depth or story and it's all about, let me build up my Pokemon. Let me catch more Pokemon. And then let me just battle. Like that's kind of what it's always been. And I really wish they would kind of take a, a deeper dive into the story elements of games. They kind of did have Arceus, but it wasn't super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's Pokemon's evolved from what it was years ago. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to wait to see what the verdict is from people before I jump into this. So I'm going to see some reviews and potentially dive in. Yeah. I, I will point out, though, I I got a good laugh when I saw the new bread dog Pokemon called Fido. Fido. Yeah. I was like, come on. Like, that's just ridiculous. Fido's um, great. Pooper is even better because I've always loved Wooper and I love uh-huh. poison type Pokemon. And he's just he's an adorable little pooper. Yeah, that I got a good um, laugh out of that one, too. Also, the terrain motorcycles that are also Pokemon is kind of ridiculous. Like you have Pokemon that can turn into like jet skis. Well, so the weird thing is, too, like the one that's like the ancient one, like it still uses its legs for everything. Like it doesn't even need the wheels. And the other one hovers. It doesn't even need the wheels either. Like they just put wheels on these guys so that they would look like motorcycles and then made it so they didn't need to even have the wheels of the motorcycle. Like it would be better if neither of them had wheels and one of them ran and one of them flew. You know what it is? It's because they're going to develop toys where you pull it back and the Pokemon go on their own. Oh, that's why they added wheels. Yeah. Dude, that, that's... Speaking of marketing stuff for this, like we are going to see an explosion of like crystal and glass artists miniatures for like the Pokemon with the terraforms and stuff. It's going to be crystal little pokemon figures for the next three years and i'm sure that we're gonna get some pretty cool art out of it yeah um, I'm, i think we're gonna see a lot of cool like acrylic pieces too like of clear acrylic from different artists that yeah. i'll be excited to to look what into. else was in here oh uh we didn't uh, talk about so with the terra types there's like 
I, I, I hear two camps on this. I mean, I think that the terror type thing is kind of cool because it adds that extra element to where you can like, you know, not every, not every Pokemon is going to, I guess there's like already a lot of uniqueness between like catching one Pokemon and catching one of the same type. But this adds like a whole nother element to that where like you can get an additional type, like the flying Pikachu will become canon. And stuff that's pretty like cool, that. actually. Yeah, yeah, I love that so, the flying Pikachu is becoming canon. That's cool, but like I also hear a lot of people being like, another gimmick. Like every new Pokemon, they come out with a new gimmick, and they're all just mega evolution again, but different. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But the cool thing with this one is that it's every Pokemon can do this. Yeah. Like I think that the mega evolution is probably the most interesting of all of the gimmick things because it gives like an extra cool final form that's temporary kind of like a Digimon thing. Uh, I always look at it as Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Like they've, like they've gone super Saiyan. Yeah. But so. the, um, I don't know the terror type one. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And then the last thing they have on the list is literally every character is like thirsty. So like, people are just like horny for all the characters in this game like the teacher the professors the um the ice gym leader who is uh like the i don't know what you call that like the banner header for this article yeah i oh yeah i see her on there yeah i don't that's dude it's a whole separate conversation but like i'll just leave it where I don't see how people can get thirsty over video game characters. Yeah. I just don't like it. I did have one thing I actually wrote firstly next to it, but we'll do this lastly. Lastly, I had a big issue with this trailer, even though it said like right away, there is no voice acting in this game. That trailer looks like they wanted voice acting in this game and were just too cheap to do it. And that's another thing that has pissed me off about this generation of Pokemon is the lack of voice acting. Like you have full capability to do this and put in voice actors and it doesn't have to be like well-known voice actors. Well, the thing is like Pokemon already has like a whole host of voice actors that probably, you know, they could tap into and be like, hey, we need you guys that we pay to do all this Pokemon stuff to do more Pokemon stuff, but just do it as the game. And you don't have to be like Ash and officer Jenny. And I don't know who else they're traveling with or whatever these days, but like you just have to be some guy that's saying, Oh man, I wouldn't go into the tunnel right now. There's a bunch of geo dudes in there. Yeah. You know, and I look at it from a lens as well of, you don't have to hire a ton of people to do this. I mean, voice actors can usually mimic a number of different voices, right? Yeah. So one you get thing to consider: people they could do the one lines that you need for a hundred characters in this show. Yeah, like pretty straightforward. Well, and one of the other things to kind of consider here too is when we talked with the uh, creator of like the Mutant League football game, right? The the newest one, and he just unloaded on us like six different voices, and he does all the voices for it too. Like all of the voices in that game, all of the bits of dialogue that come from those characters, he does that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like, imagine his budget compared to Nintendo's budget with Game Freak. Like 
they're going to be astronomically yeah. different. And Nintendo can't put in voice acting still, even for key characters. Just key character voicing is all I want. Like, it's just, I don't see how they haven't done that yet. I mean, it's I mean, kind of the same thing. Even in Pokemon Snap, Professor Oak's like, good job. There you go. I mean, that's one line. Like, that's progress for Pokemon. But yeah, apparently, uh, apparently Nintendo doesn't like voice acting because none of their games really have it first party wise. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next thing here is uh, Nintendo disagrees with Sony about the game industry slump. And this is Bloomberg, actually. And it's uh, Takashi Mochizuki or Mochizuki. And, you know, it, it dives into uh, second quarter analysis for the different games companies. And so Microsoft saw like a 6% dip uh, this year for its uh, Xbox division. Uh, Sony has seen, I think it was like a 16% to a 23% decrease. So 23% decrease in uh, stock price overall in the year, I believe. And it was 16% down year over year on the quarter. But Nintendo has seen, and this is where the disagreement comes in. Nintendo has actually seen a, a flat line or even in some instances, minor increase in sales uh, for Nintendo specifically. Now, my my overall thought on this, because it, it dives into the pandemic being like the main reason why these sales have dipped. I think it's really not necessarily just pandemic. I think it is a, a huge aspect of inflation being a major issue in the U.S. Um, and really just globally inflation, I think, is a problem right now. And then obviously there's the fact that we're entering recession and and other things that are tied into it that are high gas prices being another thing. So, you know, people's priorities have kind of shifted over the last year in terms of what they're spending on. And of course, secondary products like a PlayStation 5 is not exactly top of the list. Uh, there's also things like supply chain constraints are still an issue for whatever reason. Um, and they're just not able to, I guess, keep up production. I mean, that's I don't know why that's still a problem nowadays, but I guess it is. Uh, so that's, that's really what I think is a core reason here for all of this occurring, uh, specifically for Sony, like Nintendo, I think Nintendo uses probably cheaper chips and other things like they've been able to maintain production, obviously over the course of the pandemic, which hasn't been an issue for them. So I think that also kind of helps out sales wise. And also when you kind of consider Nintendo games in particular, they've had some pretty good releases over the last few years, they don't drop their prices on their titles. So that Mario Kart that's been out for five years is still $60, you know, uh, occasionally get a sale. Sony, on the other hand, does decrease their prices. There are frequent sales uh, on their games. So, you know, do you have a situation here where uh, Nintendo not dropping their prices is obviously kind of helping them keep afloat? Like if they had sales on games, would they see a decrease versus a flatliner increase right now? And I should probably mention... The last piece here that is referenced is Sony has also actually seen a decline in PlayStation Plus subscribers over the last quarter, even though they've gone ahead and added in all of the you know extra things like premium and uh, essential and all that, like kind of split it up the way they did. They've actually seen a decline in their uh, subscriber base as compared to Microsoft. So a lot of interesting thing going on or interesting things going on right now with the industry. Um, I can probably see this slowdown continuing into the end of the year and potentially into next year, especially if new titles are just not being pumped out fast enough. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that? So let me kind of go back through and correct some of the, the things in there. So um, Nintendo software sales are down 
their oh they are down okay yeah no it's their stock prices that are up about nine percent okay that makes sense and sony's stock prices are down about 20 percent okay well i got the sony stock right yeah sony's games fail sales fell 26 percent, and then you got xbox their stuff's down about six percent so like consumer uh spending on video games in general is down about 13 percent, and it's not surprising like they're they're back to back to work back to school back to no covid people are getting out people are doing stuff everybody and their mom already owns one or two switches you know i mean it doesn't it doesn't seem to make a difference to nintendo they're still finding people to sell them to at least for now but um you know they've got that new splatoon 3 oled that's gonna come out you know, there's always rumors about a Switch Lite OLED or a Switch 2 or a Switch Pro always still ruminating. But like well, they they also mention, you know, they, they kind of bring up the the world reopening and everything. But um, they're actually saying that's not the issue, that the issue is really on the transporting of goods coming into the market. So uh, and all three bigs are kind of facing that issue right now. Uh, with the, the goods coming in and and not actually being on store shelves. But what I found interesting is that Nintendo calls out that, well, U.S. gamers tend to buy multiple titles while snapping up a console. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like once yeah. you've, you know, like, but they've I buy sold, a console. Like, I buy at least one or two games with it. Yeah. I mean, if you're buying it new. So, I mean, like a like brand well, yeah, new Nintendo no consoles. Nintendo doesn't sell used consoles. No, so no, that well, doesn't game, matter to them. GameStop does. No, what I'm saying is if you're buying net new for you, as in like you don't own a console yet, you're buying games to go with it. Yes, I could see where you would buy multiple games in that instance, but it's not always the case, though, uh, given the price of those games. And currently with inflation and such the way it is, I can see that if they are selling consoles, they might be only selling one game. And some of those consoles have games bundled in, don't they? Like the Mario Kart version years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they've, they've had some sell those bundles and like they're going to sell that Splatoon bundle. But I mean, like even then, I, I just I don't know. For the most part, you're always you're always getting one game when you're getting a console, like very few. I would say probably a negligible amount of people get a console without buying a game with it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's. Uh, yeah, there's. The supply issues, because like that's where it's all really at. We all know that Sony would sell more PlayStation 5s if they could. If they had any ability to get more PlayStation 5s out there, 100% their numbers would be higher than they are because people would buy them. But I think that we've kind of gone through the time where people, people now have waited long enough that they're going to keep waiting. They're not going to go pay the jacked up eBay prices. And I don't even know how far down those have fallen. I haven't heard anybody talk about it in a while, but I know a little while back they had started to come down to being closer to reasonable. But at this um, point, you I'm know, look you were now. on a waiting list for a little while. We know somebody else that was on a waiting list for a little while, but it's, you know, it's not an impossibility to get one now. It's just a matter of time. So uh, I'm looking right now. A PlayStation 5 on eBay will run you anywhere from. Well, this guy's got a used one for 500, but it looks like 611 brand new free shipping. So 
margin wise, when you consider the cost of a disc based PlayStation five being $500, right. And taxes on top of that, let's just say for flatline, let's just say 10%, you're looking at 550 plus the shipping of that console as well, uh, is easily for a PlayStation five. Cause it's like a brick. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at probably 40, $50 for shipping alone on that plus eBay fees as well for that shipping. So I don't know why anybody would even sell a PlayStation five for $600, but apparently this guy is, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that seems kind of odd. Uh, another one here is uh, disc edition console use nine out of 10, $606. So yeah, they're hovering around 600. Some of them are on the high end at 700, but there's used consoles being sold for 600 now. And um, a summer local pickup 680, which local pickup makes sense like to do that. Cause you make a quick hundred bucks after eBay fees. Um, so yeah, it's, they've come down, but not come down enough. And I think you're right though. People are, you know, if they're unwilling to buy consoles right now at retail prices, why are they going to start buying things locally for a higher price? Yeah. So I think that, you know, the most interesting thing in this article was definitely what you brought up about the PlayStation plus, like for them to have put all that time and effort and energy and all of the people buying up like the multiple years and then prorating everything out and all these charts and BS. And now it's like, what tier are you on? What tier are these things being released on? And they saw like a decline. That's not good. That's really um, not good. They're not competitively priced. That's the issue. We brought that up when it was first announced is that they are a higher price right now to Microsoft for the same exact type of, you know, not uh, even subscription. Not even not, because not you're even, not yeah. getting day one yeah. premium stuff. Yeah. Like and, and like in the next year, we're gonna get like huge things like almost every month out of Xbox. I'm gonna be on here being like, oh man, I just played Starfield. Oh man, I just played uh Redfall, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I no, I totally agree with you. Like they're not priced competitively um for this. They've made it super confusing. Uh, the entire process is confusing for most people, you know, which tier are you in, which games are included in my tier versus which aren't, um, you know, you have to honestly like find pictures that show the three tiers and then like check marks, like, uh, you know, uh, it's a comparison table essentially that shows what's on which service, you know, it's, yeah, it's just overall mess. They didn't, I don't think they did a good enough job launching it. Um, it's just a poor job overall. And so I really do think that, you know, Microsoft has done a pretty stellar job and how they've differentiated the different tiers and what's included on each one. And the price point is competitive. Like, I think they've done a great job there. So, yeah, I mean, it just sucks for Sony. And hopefully they kind of look at this and say, we need to change things up quietly, maybe make some changes on the side versus announcing more crap because that's only going to confuse more people. And uh, we'll see where that goes. Now, speaking of Xbox trying to confuse more people, uh recently <laughs> they somehow let a terrible god of war ripoff game onto their service uh this is by hirun hirun crier at uh games radar uh the game in question war gods zeus of child yeah <laughs> yes Dude, that I- is the actual name it is and uh you know the same the same developer actually has done this for other games too so let me let me find those really quick uh it's called a uh, dolica ltd and they've ripped off a number of other games one of them is called 
Dinosaur Falling Survival, uh, which the title for dinosaur is spelled D-I-N-A-S-A-U-R. If that is not knockoff, I don't know what is, but it's a shameless ripoff, apparently, of Fall Guys. So you just have players running through obstacles. But let's not also confuse that with their hit title, okay? The cult, and this is like literally the name of the game, Classic Platformer Marionis. <laughs> Dude. Like, people thought Flappy Bird was a ripoff of Mario. This is great. Like, <laughs> I just want to play this to play it. Yeah, I mean, so... There's all kinds of people out there making all kinds of games and not all of them are good at it and not all of them are, you know, just haplessly doing this like, you know, for fun. And it's like a cute little thing like this was somebody who tried to be like, how much money can I make off of doing something cheap and shady real quick? And I don't know how something like this gets through like xbox isn't steam like somehow this made it onto like microsoft and xbox as something you could buy and i mean it's just got kratos right there like i assume somebody's eyes have to be on these games like there's no way somebody should have been like oh yeah like the face of our major competitor that's totally not an issue from who's this studio Oh, classic Dolica move. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one thing, as far as the gameplay is concerned, uh, they said that you have hordes of enemies in this arena that you're killing off and slashing away. And there's no end to the game. It's just, it's just like a slash demo. Yeah, it, that's all it is. It's just like assets in a thing. But I mean, I don't know if he like exported the assets. Like it says that it's in legally indistinguishable Kratos. So that to me sounds like maybe at least they made the models. Like I'm looking at the image and I don't recognize what the enemy models are from or if they're from God of War. But I mean, it looks like just somebody bought some assets, put it in an engine, you know, tried to dev some stuff. But I, I don't get how something like this gets through. I don't know. Maybe in the future we can ask some of these indie developers that we interview down the road how something like this gets through the overall process of getting games. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, diving in. That was a fun article. I, I love reading crap like that. It's funny. So our inflation deflation for this week is Game on Expo 2022. So we attended in 2019, just before the pandemic really enjoyed ourselves at that event and um we're obviously several years removed from that event and uh decided to go through and experience a sequel for the game inflators so we're going to cover the top five things about game on expo that we enjoyed uh we're not going to go into anything that we didn't enjoy because i thought overall it was you know i kind of covered that with the prices of games um yeah you know. the only thing that i mean i don't know about anybody else it's con season uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that everything is just should be a free for all. I mean, me and John, we were masked up. We hand sanitized after like everything we did. Like I honestly wasn't expecting, you know, everybody to be like ready to shake hands again and stuff. I'm a handshaker. So you stick your hand out. I'm going to shake it, but I'm definitely going to sanitize afterwards. And yeah. like, especially when you're digging through bins of un, you know, priced games and stuff. 
man, if you guys are going out to cons, hand sanitizer, mask up, don't just because you think you're safe doesn't mean everybody else there is like, you know, gonna be. Yeah. So I was happy to mask up for that when I had no issue with that. Um, you know, obviously pregnant wife at home, so I'm not gonna, you mm-hmm. know, risk anything happening there. So that was a big thing for me, but there were some hand sanitizer stations I saw here and there. I, I didn't use one cause we had our own obviously, but you know, I think that would have been, I'd like to see know. more of those, like the little, would, ones with the UV light under. Yeah. Or just like signage, like more signage about like, you know, specifically around washing your hands, just kind of being high, you know, good hygiene for stuff like this. Cause cons are notoriously like bad about like hygiene in general. Yeah. Um, it's just a thing. I mean, it always has been, although funny enough, I didn't smell like con funk, which was yeah. actually, well, we were masked up. Uh, yeah, but you still smell con dude. Con funk I, goes I can't beyond smell. a mask. Okay. Well I can, and I did not smell con funk, which was kind of nice. Um, that's Especially- the first considering it was quite a warm day in phoenix yeah i know i yeah i was surprised so that was that's a plus that's a let's make it top six things no con funk there we go uh, so yeah and i mean like some of the the demos for example like you know we played some demos for like indie devs and like the guy that had the attachment piece like in his booth like that's something ideally like i wish and some people did have hand sanitizer at their booths which was nice but i think like mm-hmm. Every booth should have been stationed yeah. with like a uh, hand sanitizer. Like, you know, as if I was them, or- I would be there with like a thing of pledge wipes and wiping down the controllers after like letting yeah. people see that I'm doing that. Yeah. Like, pan- yes, pandemic is tech, like it's still here and it's not, you know, is prevalent, I guess, for some people. Like, they're just not worried about it, but there well, are people, people like, there are always concerns. got sick at cons before the pandemic. Like, exactly. Let's, let's just step up and be better about doing that stuff. And then, no matter what the disease is, we don't have mm-hmm. to worry about people getting sick. Because exactly. the con crud yeah. in general sucks. Like, everybody has their favorite creators they get to, you know, see. And then two weeks later, they're in a video, <clears throat> hey, I got the con crud you know yeah well and they're doing tons of shows too so they're all over the place uh doing this type of stuff and taking Protect pictures the people and people you like yeah so it is what it is and again nothing against the expo for this it's just something that i would like to see in general at more personal conferences opinions. yeah personal opinions on that but the top five things we like so the first one for me was the tabletop gaming experience that whole area dude i don't remember that being as big of an area last time mm-hmm. uh but for me that was super cool to see like board game creators, card game creators, all of them kind of hanging out, people playing D&D, people playing the Star Wars games at various tables. Like that was a pretty hop in space overall. I thought that because uh, I know there's a board game convention in Arizona. I don't know if it's still going on because it was pre-pandemic. I got to check. But a lot of little like local board game developers and card game developers and such, uh, people making like their own RPG books uh, were at this, uh, which is pretty cool. So I thought that was a great piece. I hope that they continue to uh, pull that through in the next event and just and make that a, you know, even a bigger presence, I think, down the road, like maybe even dedicating like because they have anime at this event now, they've got board games and they've got games having certain areas designated specifically for those pieces. So, you know, like, oh, cool, like this is an area that's going to be only board games. This This is is my home this weekend. Yeah. And like they kind of had that, like you had the whole gaming area and the stage and all of that in one room. 
And then you had the different booths split up. The booths were not split up in a way that was, you know, only anime or only video games. Like it was very much muddled in together, which is fine. That's normal. You um, want to be kind of lost in the chaos. Yeah, exactly. But I do kind of, you know, I, I hope that they like as they expand have like one area is like just D&D and board games. One area is like just video games. One area is just anime and screenings and that type of stuff. Like that'd be pretty cool to see down the road. And obviously it, it takes time. Like, I mean, hopefully it'll be able to grow. Yeah, I think it will. It seemed like there was a lot of people there. I'm sure it'll release final numbers or something. I mean, with uh, all that boom in the pandemic for people coming into games, I would expect post pandemic once cons and stuff get back on track there to be more people. Well, as you know, I attend a lot of conferences for my work and we've actually seen a major decrease in in all conferences that we go Mm -hmm. to, Um, you know, it's doctors and whatnot that typically attend the conferences I go to. So it's a little different. Um, so there is, you know, they're a little more conscious, I think of that type of stuff, but you know, I, I hope that they had growth this year for this event. Um, but it would be understandable if they saw a decrease compared to 2019, yeah. uh, just given the dynamics of what's going on globally. Um, and the next piece was vendors overall. So there was we a, kind lot of talked of a lot about the vendors. Yeah, we, we did in the beginning, but as far as a, the pros are concerned. Uh, there was a lot of vendors, a lot mm-hmm. of variety. Um, you know, I felt that there was something for everybody. The artist alley was phenomenal. Yeah. I, yeah. I the do. artist alley I bought, uh, I did you actually buy a, buy a bunch of little bags. Yeah. And you bought a Cubone sticker too. Oh, and a Cubone sticker. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. the, the Pokemon terrariums were oh, badass. Those were so gorgeous. Like, I just didn't have a hundred bucks to drop on one. Yeah, but they, dude, like there was a terrarium that was like a Cubone skull that was in like a, a hanging, globe terrarium that was mm-hmm. like 60 bucks it was badass like those are things that those are nice to haves not needs and that's yeah. what kind of gets me it's like i would l- absolutely love to have something like that in my house but i don't need to have it in my house and yeah. so that's where it kind of gets me like in a way i kind of wish i was younger right and didn't have as many responsibilities because like 16 year old me would have dropped 200 bucks yesterday on a variety of different things those uh they had these awesome rugs somebody made they look like the like game boy cartridges for the pokemon games and they were what were what would you say they were like maybe three by three uh yeah about three by three but they were like 250 to 300 dollars yeah they were handmade expensive they were gorgeous though man like i honestly would have loved to be able to buy one but just couldn't do that yeah i don't know how many of those rugs somebody like that is selling at a con um i so i used to have the thing is though when you go to a con like that people take pictures and then those pictures get out there and it's just more for traffic for your website i'm sure it it is but like when you have things like tiktok and uh, instagram and all of that floating around and people liking stuff like it gets around quick anyways i just i hated bringing in vendors like that only because i knew my consumers and i knew that they weren't going to spend the money on that type of stuff like i just knew it wasn't what are you saying about the people of florida john (laughs) I'm saying that they were cheap where I was at. Um, But no, like I knew my audience and I knew that certain, the certain age group that came out specifically for my convention um, was not going to drop $250 on a Pokemon rug, for example. Right. Like I had a sword vendor one year and I had never had a sword vendor. And I was like, look, like if you want to come, that's great. But like, I don't think you're going to sell a ton of swords here. And they're like, Oh yeah, we'll go. We'll go. I'm like, okay. Like, 
hope it makes up the cost. And like that, that year when I, when I had him there, I was like, so how'd you, how did it alter? And I was like, well, we, we got just a little over breaking even between the trip and everything else. I'm like, that's not worth it, you know, to, to go out and do that. And so like, I, this is a bigger show than what I ran, but still like not everybody's going to be dropping $300 in a rug. Yeah. So, yeah. Unless they got a good deal at the booth or local, it kind of like, you don't want to travel out to a conference like this to sell your rugs. Like you're better off on just online yeah. or a smaller or a smaller setup in an artist alley with your rugs. And then just kind of showcase it and put out the word there. Like, Hey, these rugs are online and like get as many, you know, coupons and website, you know, URLs out there into people's hands. But um, yeah, overall, the booths I thought were were great. There was a lot of them, a lot of vendors. Artist Alley was great. There was tons and tons of great artwork there, uh, both local and people coming from out of town. And then the vendors had a pretty good selection. Uh, one other downside I, I felt was some of the vendors, it honestly felt like it was just somebody who had a bunch of video games and was just selling their collection. In fact, we saw a guy who had like Sega games in his backpack and he was just walking around with like a piece of paper with his game prices in his mm -hmm. backpack which was kind of crazy. I've never seen that before. And technically that type of stuff's not allowed at cons. You're not supposed to sell if you're not a vendor. Yeah. So yeah. Um, next up, next up got game developers, which was awesome. We got to talk to a bunch of different people. A lot of them were local and I actually pulled out four different ones just that we can kind of mention here real quick. I think these were the four that we kind of spent the most time with. I got mm -hmm. two, card games and two video games um we played this game cthulhu age of madness by strange aeon games uh i think we spent like some of the most time at that booth that was a very like they just had a super successful kickstarter launch they funded in their first eight hours like this looks like it's going to be a legit cool game yeah and it's um overall concept is you buy one deck and you have uh different gods that you play as and uh each of those gods has their own abilities and your goal is to get like four ritual seals completed to win the game and you do that by having cultists that you um convert or cultists that follow you and getting a stack of four cultists and then as you get that stack you can convert it into a seal and you get four of us and you win but you have the ability to steal seals you have the ability to kill off cultists you can have your opponent discard cards like and he was telling us like hey this is just a super basic uh introductionist game the way i've released this and my expansion is going to blow your socks yeah. off like there's gonna be so much more depth to the game that comes out and i'm like i'm all for that so they're local the art um, was really cool too all the art yeah. from all the stuff we saw except for some of the things that were like still really early <laughs> was yeah. really good yeah so i i was pretty excited about that game um I don't know if I'm going to back it on Kickstarter because he said there it's going to be local. So like mm -hmm. I would rather to be At honest, the instead silver of, key lounge. Yeah. So rather than give Kickstarter the $45, whatever it's going to cost me because of the 15 shipping, I'll pick it up local because it's, you know, two yep. birds, one stone, right? Support a local business in the silver key lounge and then also support the developer. So uh, I'm going to do that versus Kickstarter. The next one uh, that we played a bunch was uh, Celeste, the galactic deck building game. This was kind of like a four faction um, card game. You've got like resources that you buy into. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I hadn't really played it. It was kind of like a Starcrafty kind of 
TCG. Well, not TCG because it's not trading. I think it's deck building. Yeah. But it was, um, I hadn't played a game like that. It was fun. I could see how there could be a lot of strategy and stuff that comes into that. Yeah, I thought that one was pretty interesting as well. Um, on the video game side, we checked out uh, Culturist Astronaut, which you can actually play for free on itch.io. And that, that was is a lot of fun. Game Infinitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. those guys were really cool. Um, this is a an interesting like side-scrolling platformer. Uh, it's got some of that like super tight platforming. Like we got to this one room and it's just like, all right, man, you just got to like nut up and do the jump right. Yeah, uh, and I did. And, I got the jump right. He actually was like, "Oh shit, you got it." Yeah, the uh, you're like a space goat fighting through these like alien cultists. Uh, that one was pretty neat. And then the last one that I pulled out here was for Team NT Studios, and they're doing that um, VR escape room game, I believe. Yeah, and that was really interesting. So, like, I'm sure that AR vr escape room things are you know becoming common or or at least ramping up it seems like a great idea to me but they're gonna have like different classes and like interactions that are like not just you in a room but you doing things that only you can do and then working with people that can do only what they can do in ways to solve puzzles which i think is really unique like i've done a number of escape rooms but i've never done one where you have like a role that gives you something that sets you aside. Usually it's just kind of everybody's in there peeking around, looking up clues and stuff. So I think that's a cool approach. Yeah, no, I thought that was an interesting one as well. And and seeing his little tech demo as he was going through it was, was kind of cool to like see that all live. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish his booth would have had a little more to it, but I, I get it. Like some people some just don't people, have that. A lot of these people were from, what was the school? Uh, UAT. UAT. A lot of these people were graduates from UAT. They had nothing but good things to say about the program there. So, you know, go check out any of these people, uh, look at their work and, you know, promote the local. Yep. Uh, The next piece here was guests. Um, So I'll let you cap off yours. But uh, we saw Paul Niemeyer, uh, Mortal Kombat artist, which is fun. Got to watch his panel. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we also uh, had some Mortal Kombat actors that were there. So it was a little bit of a reunion, which is pretty cool. And they had all the Mortal Kombat folks like in the same area. Uh, tons of voice actors for this show. Uh, so that was nice to see lots of voice actors and um, some cosplayers as well. So I think it was a great selection of guests. I think it was a wide variety. I think you had a little bit of everything. And uh, that was good for a show like this. And everything had some sort of tie into video games. Like even the cosplayers cosplayed video game characters. The voice actors had video game roles that they covered as well as anime. Um, your actors uh, were specifically like, you know, Mortal Kombat, which is video game tie in. But there's also a the component of it being a movie. So I, I, I liked a lot of that. Um, and I was very happy to see such a wide variety. It was a lot more than when we went last time. Like they brought mm-hmm. in a lot more guests. Yeah. Now, that whole sidewall was like all different yeah. actors. Now, something to consider as you plan for future game on expos is uh, I did notice a lot of them had guarantees, um, which, you know, I'm not on the contract side for game on expo. So I wouldn't know for sure the deals in the back end. But typically when a voice actor or actor is asking you $30 for an autograph and a picture and all that, they're likely on a guarantee, which is usually uh, the conference brings them in and says, you're going to make, you know, we guarantee you're going to make a thousand dollars, for example. And then uh, anything 
Uh, so if the voice actor, actor, whoever it is, sells $1,500 in autographs, well, then the con takes no charge, right? Like they don't have to pay for that actor. They just cover travel and all that good stuff. Now, if the person makes under that $1,000, then the con is responsible for the difference because they guaranteed a certain amount. So the way that cons are able to bring in more guests nowadays is they do a guarantee. And then obviously, you know, they don't have any costs. If you don't go under. out and get the autographs, they yeah. lose guests. Yeah, money. exactly. Exactly. So if you are, you know, wanting to meet somebody, just be ready to pony up some money because if you want this con to grow and you want to see more actors and different people show up, it, there's just going to be a cost associated with taking a picture or getting an autograph. And that's, that's also normal. If you consider a lot of, a lot of people like to take guarantees anyways, because they don't want their autographs to get thrown on eBay and sold for however much money, right? Like I know of several voice actors I'd speak with in the past that it was like, you know, I'd rather just charge somebody 20 bucks because there's less incentive to sell my autograph for because $30. you know, the autograph's worth $20 then. Yeah, exactly. That's the going rate. There's yeah. no need to charge more unless it's on something crazy. Yeah. So, um, lots of good guests definitely support it. Be ready to pay, um, as needed. Certain guests don't require it. Um, like Gerard, for example, you took a picture of him. There was no charge, but he was selling a few things. I, and I'll let you go into Gerard because yeah, yeah, I had such an awesome time getting to meet him for those out there who don't know Gerard Khalil, the completionist. He is awesome. He's been on YouTube for like 10 plus years. He's one of my like YouTube hero people. I definitely would not be on this podcast if it weren't for him. Uh, he's just a really cool guy. He's achieved a lot. He does a lot for all different kinds of communities. Um, he's he's just a really stand-up guy, and I really enjoyed being able to meet him, buy a frog in a car. Uh, I was going. I was thinking all week about like something to bring to get an autograph for, and. I just, I don't know. Is it weird to have people sign stuff that isn't like related to them at all? Like if I had busted out mm -hmm. my play date and been like, would you sign my play date cover? Would that have I been think, just a weird thing? I so mean, that's why I didn't do any of that. I think it's weird. I, I, <laughs> I, I went to I a show a once and I just had uh, the guy from the band just sign my shirt that I was wearing. It wasn't like their shirt. It was just a shirt. I've, I've heard some stories of people. In the past, um, I know of actors that have signed potatoes, like straight yeah. up signed a potato. Uh, they've signed shoes, like they've signed chests, like just random things get signed. I mean, they're kind of used to that, but I, I don't know. When it comes to the video game world, I think it would be kind of weird to like have a playdate signed by somebody like that. Yeah, you know? I like, thought was... of the perfect thing that I could have had signed, though, after we left uh, my Hobonichi, because I got into having the Hobonichi journal because they were talking about it in their mother three playthrough. Yeah. Because he's the same guy. Mm -hmm. So um, outside of guests, the last thing here that, you know, out of our top five that we enjoyed was the arcades and gaming area. I felt that they were extremely solid. There was a lot of variety, tons of and them. tons of TVs. What do you mean? I did break one pinball machine. <laughs> well, you're not, you're not supposed to say that electric bad arcade. The big guns weren't us. big enough for me. We'll just yeah. say that. So I think a lot of it was electric bad arcade. So they're out they're local as well. Um, they bring in a lot of pinball machines, I think. Um, so yeah, Ryan, I guess broke one of their machines or something and then walked away. And now they're going to chase us if they hear this episode. Well, it was, it was when I was there Friday, I was like just there by myself poking around. I was like, oh, I'll play some pinball for a little while. And every machine was 
taken up except for this one. Obviously, now I know why. Yeah, I don't think it was your fault. It's probably something that was just consistently happening. But it was all sticky, like the whole time, like the right pedal just wouldn't flick up and it wouldn't go down all the way. And then it just stuck up with the ball, like just nestled in the corner. And I was like, well, I'm leaving now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go. I've done my damage and I'm going to leave. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, tons of arcade machines. Uh, there are well, cabinets, tons of cabinets, uh, tons of pinball machines. Uh, lots of game consoles available and games obviously being played. They had multiple stages where people were doing tournaments. So like there was Tetris, NBA Jam, and I think there was one other. Um, I want to say I saw Smash Bros, but, um, you know, in the time we were there, but tons of things going on. They had tournament signups. They had uh, for pinball, the All Valley Trophy, which was pretty cool for pinball scores that I took a picture of that. That was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, I, I felt that that was just, you know, another cool piece to this event i kind of would have liked to have seen it arranged a little differently um i did feel it was like pretty close you know which i get it like most arcades like everything's like right next to each other but i kind of wish there was a little space in between a little more elbow room yeah a little more elbow room and and really just kind of that social distancing aspect as well um i think that would have been a little nicer but overall great variety and a solid solid selection of games like you would not be disappointed if you were to attend this show and have those many, that many cabinets available to you. Yeah. So, uh, overall, um, God, did we pull up pricing for this event? I don't know what we did. Uh, uh let me, no, I'll just really quick. I'll look up game on expo and I'll get the uh, pricing for the conference. This obviously is not going to dictate, um, what the pricing is next year. Cause it could potentially go up or, but, or stay yeah. the same. Yeah, so full weekend pass is 65, a Saturday pass is 45, a Sunday pass is 40, a Friday pass is 35. Uh, you have an additional uh, child pass for 10 years and younger is $20, and then a, a child under two is free. So, um, you know, price-wise, it seems to be just right uh, with what you would expect for a conference of this size. Um, let me see, so full event weekend uh, includes limited edition badge, uh, for all three days. And then also includes the limited edition badge and lanyard, which we got our media ones, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I, it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you're there for multiple tournaments, multiple panels, multiple guests, obviously we don't attend a lot of panels when we go to these things. We kind of look at the scenery. We check out the different guests that are there. We do a little talking, a little, you know, discussion with local and, and kind of do that. Um, so I think for our purposes, you know, a Saturday pass works out great, but if you're somebody that's wanting to dive into tournaments you want to experience all the panels you want to chat oh, up all man. the voice actors and such we saw like, this guy with a huge trophy huge yeah, trophy that was the that was the all valley one yeah. yeah so like there's stuff to win and cool stuff like if you want to be there for a long time there's stuff to keep you there for a long time but if you just want to yeah. once like just go on a saturday hit the light rail up you know go browse for some you know cool handmade merch and some old games like you could do a lot worse for what was it 45 for the saturday yeah 45 for saturday pass i mean look it costs of admission right if you i always like giving the movie theater example here right like a movie theater is uh 10 to 15 dollars depending on where you go for a movie you're looking at an hour and a half of entertainment right you could easily from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., if you were going for this event, you could easily get your money's worth in terms of entertainment value from an event of this size and all that it has coming in with it. You know, you do have actors that you could just talk with, 
and ask yeah. questions. You have panels that you can participate in. You've got video game tournaments. You've got arcades available to you. All the cool merchandise in general that you can check out. What's a it, ticket just, to the zoo run? Mm, $30. Okay. Yeah. But you would spend, you would probably spend as much time here as you would at the zoo. And the zoo is outside. Yeah. If, so. Yeah. AC. And you know, let's shout out to the, the uh, West building parking garage for not being a blazing inferno. Oh my God, dude. I was so surprised. That was fantastic. And it led right into yeah. a, uh, you know, into the building itself, which is kind of nice. But um, yeah, I mean, even if you look at things like Odyssey, if you look at the Legoland um, out in Tempe, all of these different things that are out there that'll cost you, you know, easily 25, 30, $40 just to go in. This is great. I mean, it's just great support, local attention, bringing, you know, people together for good reasons. Yeah. I'm all lots of lots of friends to make at things like this. So, you know, could we say deflated? No, just kidding. (laughs) You know, Um, I think it's just right. Yeah, it's great. Right. Yeah. Definitely attend this event. Look at it for 2023 as a as an event to attend. And it is going on today, but obviously the episode airs on Monday. So we can't tell you to attend on Sunday, but we have told people on our social media accounts to definitely check it out for Sunday. Yeah, we'll just put that energy out in the air all day. And if you feel it, that's us telling you to get there. Yeah. You know, one thing to mention, though, with this is a Friday passes they're kind of like an unsung hero. Yes. It's a little less time in a day and that's why they're generally cheaper. But for Friday pass, you're going to get like the most bang for your buck. If you're looking for certain games, because well, people really haven't dug through them as much. I feel not necessarily though. Like, cause I went on Friday, I didn't see a single PS2 controller. And a lot of those people were like, Oh yeah, we put out stuff like, you know, like they're going to keep putting out stuff all weekend. So I don't know if, Maybe that's only the most premium of premium that goes first. I, I would think premium of premiums. You're going to have your higher end games that are harder to find. And if you're kind of looking for those things in a wild, you don't want to pay for it. It was way or... less empty on Friday, too. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, the amount of people there was so much more reasonable. Yeah. So something to consider as you look in the passes. But again, definitely attend. We're avid fans of a show and it's definitely worth going to. So, all right. Well, uh, next week we will have episode 196 of the Game Flares podcast. We have not decided our sequel, but we will find a sequel game and we will play that for sequel month. So, and it'll be, be the sequel to the first episode of sequel month. So that'll be cool too. <laughs> Which two is also a sequel. And the two is also, this is the trequel. That sounds like a Pokemon. Uh, all right well this has been episode 195 again flares podcast my name is john i'm ryan and thanks for listening